Welcome to the Happiest Ever After podcast. I'm your host, Tatiana Robertson. And yes, you heard right, happy-ish. Because this podcast is not about chasing the fairy tale. We've seen behind the curtain and most of us are ready to hop off the hamster wheel of perfection. If you've ever wondered, how'd I end up in this life? How can I change it? What do I want from life? Is there more? Then this podcast is for you. The fairy tale may not be real. That's the good news. Because life is an amazing adventure and it's time for you to pick up the pen and write your own story. So let's get started and see where this journey takes us. Welcome to another episode. This is such a special episode because I get to talk with my friend, Lisa. Lisa, welcome back. I'm so excited to have you here. You haven't been on since the first episode. No, I'm so happy to be back, Tatiana. I I mean, I can talk to you all the time and um, it's such an honor to be back. So thank you. Thanks for having me. I love having you on. And I love the idea that, you know, I was just talking with you the other day and we were saying like female friendships, it's just been something that I have always struggled with. And because you are one of like my closest female friends, then I just adore you. And I was thinking about like, what, what is it like that makes this work? What makes other relationships hard? And I feel like, well, I know that for years I thought I was just odd and that everybody else found female friendships easy. So one of the first things I want to say, because you seem to have a lot of female friends, like you're off to weddings all the time. You're in wedding parties. You were just officiating a wedding. Have you always had easy relationships with women or do you? And it just looks like it from the outside. Yeah, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've always had a lot of friends, a lot of girlfriends, and I've always had pretty easy relationships with them. And I think that one of the things I've realized later in life is that I've always think thankfully had a lot of friends, but I think that to nurture those friendships is something that as you get older in life, you've got to like nurture those friendships. Like it's easy. It was easy to have friendships like in, in school or then your mom friends. Cause it, it's, and you just click with whoever you click. I think the pandemic has really taught me to who do I really want to be friends with? Who are really my friends? Because not everyone that I was friends with, I felt really had my back. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. It's, it's, as much as I'm so lucky to be blessed with a lot of friends, I've really appreciated the quality of the friendships versus the quantity of the friendships, if that makes sense. Totally. And I also love one-on-one friendships. I love one-on-one, like some women I find have to be in packs or groups, which is great too, because I have different packs. And what I've realized also is that I've read this recently is that it's okay to have different paths. Like there's some people that have like the same group of friendships since they were little and there's like a group of them and that's okay. But it's also okay as you get older to have, this is my friendship group for, you know, mom friends. This is my friendship group for book club. This is my friendship group for entrepreneurship. So it's okay to sort of not be, you know, stigmatized into one group where you have like pockets of friendships because every friendship fills a different need and that's okay. And that's something that I've learned later in life, if that makes sense. That makes total sense because that's, that's sort of how my friendships work. And I think that in my head, I, for many, many years believed that a friendship had to be a friendship in all the areas. And it's 
just impossible to find that person. And now we talk about how your significant other, whether that's a man or a woman or non-binary, like the person that you're committed to spending your life with, we've talked about how that person doesn't need to be everything. They don't have to be your whole world. Like they can't support in every single area. You have different people in your life that can do that. But I brought that frame of mind to friendships. So I've actually, I've always said, oh, it's that I have a lot of acquaintances. I know a lot of people, a lot of people in a lot of different circles. And I would call them friends, but I didn't feel that they were intimate friends. And so I felt like, well, I don't actually have that many friends because I defined friendship as all of these things, all of these expectations for an individual. And as I've gotten older, I've realized maybe I've got a not realistic expectation of what a friendship is because I idealized and romanticized how each friendship should be intimate. I think it has to do with my upbringing too. I never, I never started school at the year that I ended. Like I went to, I think 15 different schools. So I'd go to a school for part of the year. I'd be starting at another school the next year, or I wouldn't start the next year until like partway through the school year. So I never had continuity with people. And so I never, I never had that type of friendship. I never had the friendship that you have from a young age that carries you through. So a lot of my influence came from really what I read in books and saw in movies. You also had the advantage of, I mean, if you can flip the narrative to that, you also had the advantage of learning how to make friends on the fly or how to integrate in different cultures and different uh, groups of people. Because I'm sure like what I grew up going to the same school and then going to a different high school, but a lot of my friends from my grade school came with me. And so it was a, a safe place for me. I'm sorry if you hear my daughter in the background. <laughs> That's okay. on my this is life on a Saturday morning. Um, so I, I feel like you also had that advantage of learning to make friends very quickly and very easily if you had to, but you touched upon something that so important about the expectations because expectations are the biggest invitation to disappointment. And I also sort of also thought, okay, if I have a friend or a partner or something, they have to fill every single, you know, check off every single box of every single one of my needs. And that's just not a sustainable way to live. I, I don't think I can check off any, I don't think I can fulfill every, somebody else's every need either. So why would I think that too? And I think for me, I've had friends for many years who I'm very close with, but they don't really get, let's say, my new um, business ventures, let's say. So in my head, I'm like, but if they're my good friend, why aren't they being more supportive of this? But I understood like they're not understanding maybe what I'm doing or where I'm coming from. And they're, they're used to one version of me, but there's certain things that they get about me that I get fulfilled and nourished there it's okay if they don't get this part of me. And then I have other friends that are supportive that may not know other parts of me. And I've learned that that's okay. It's kind of like you have to be fragmented in yourself and you get what you can from different people, not in a selfish way, but every relationship has a different layer. And it's very interesting. I was just reading um, uh, Ed Milet's book, The Power, actually I have it right here, The Power of One More. This is not a plug, but I do love him. And I, 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 I'm very strange when it comes to books because sometimes I don't read it from beginning to end. Sometimes I just open to a random chapter and feel like that's my message for the day. And the chapter I opened to yesterday was the power of one more association. And he talks about these 
having concentric circles and how like your biggest circle is like your community and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller and how the middle circle, the very tightest circle in the middle, the smallest is your inner circle. And he was talking about how your inner circle, it doesn't have to be your blood relatives, doesn't even have to be your best friend. It's very interesting. It's who pushes you to be the best in what you need to be in the moment. And it, it's very interesting the way he thought he could be a mentor, could be a coach. It doesn't have to be your closest friend. And so in thinking in that way, it's like, why do we think that our closest friends have to fulfill every single need of ours and understand everything? Exactly. And they really don't. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I love the concentric circles. I've been talking about that ever since Namisha came onto the podcast because she used that too. And, and when you think of it that way, you realize that those intimate relationships, like think maybe in my head, I get into popular girl, like the happier people are the people with like all of the people. But the truth is that if you think of a concentric circle, there's the spot in the middle, that's you. The next circle is limited in its size yeah. because you only have time and space in your life to have those closest people. And as you were describing how you have different people, I don't think that's fragmented. I think it's because we are complex individuals, multifaceted and multi-passionate. And so your suite of passions and talents and skills and interests aren't going to perfectly align with somebody else. It's not possible because we're all so unique. So I loved that you mentioned that because this has been such a process for me. The expectations I think have actually not been as much on other people, but have been expectations that I have placed on myself where I feel like I'm not good at friendships. And it's so interesting when you were talking about you grew up and you were in the same school and so you had all the same people and they traveled through elementary, middle school, high school with you. And I actually had this moment of anxiety. I could feel it in my body where it went, oh my God, how do people live like that? Even though that's how my kids have lived with, like my son, one of his very best friends, he met when they were five years old in kindergarten and they've been best friends since, gone all the way through. But for me, I find that a challenge. So one of the things I haven't talked about on the podcast, but we'll do an upcoming podcast on is the fact that I did this seven day remote wilderness extreme hike. And I wild, I know <laughs> it makes me think of the wild. <laughs> and it is, it's that like, it's mentally and physically and emotionally rigorous. And there's real danger One apparently about 1% get evacuated by the Coast Guard. And I saw bear. In the first. I, I would have fallen in that 1%, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> um, and I, you know, saw the first bear within kilometers one and two. But it was interesting because people were saying, how can you do this solo? Obviously. And I met groups of people. There was a younger group of women in their, I'd say their twenties. There was another group of women that were the same age as me who were all doing this together. And I thought it's actually easy. Like it's not physically easy to carry a 55 pound pack on your back for 75 kilometers through rough wild terrain. However, emotionally, I'll take your word for it since I will never do that. And I honor you for that. Okay, I know, ahead. but we have a, but, but we're multi-passionate. That's my friendship to you. I want you to have all the experience of that. That's my gift I to you. That. <laughs> I looked at these other women 
with the same sort of trepidation as you just said about being with the same group all the way through school, I thought someday I want to be a woman who can do a multi-day hike in a group of women. Because right now I feel safer and it feels easier for me to go solo. Okay, can we dive deep into that? Because you're yeah. gonna have a lot of delicious content. That's okay. because that's why I want to talk with you, because I know you're gonna have why do you feel safe? I want to just quickly misquote something from the great Gatsby because I can't remember the quote, but it goes something like this. There's a, a part, um, I have it highlighted in my book if I can find it. I'm the loneliest when I'm surrounded in a group of people. Does that make sense? Um, there was a scene where she's at a party and she goes, I'm the loneliest when I'm surrounded by a group of people. And I love that line because it goes to what we're talking about that we could be surrounded by a million people and feel so lonely because it's not the amount of people, it's the connection to the people. Yes. And so I think in order to cultivate very healthy friendships, we have to have a strong connection with ourselves. I think you have a very strong connection with yourself. I like to believe I have a strong connection with myself. And so we can cultivate healthy relationships, but there's also a barrier and a shield to protect ourselves. And we don't want to get hurt. And we say, okay, we are okay to be by ourselves because if we open ourselves up and are vulnerable to other people, we let other people come into our lives that can betray us, hurt us, sting us, um, you know, talk about us behind our back, not support us, give us criticism, disappointment, all of that stuff. So I'm wondering if any of that resonates with you, why you wanted to do your solo trek into the wild. Oh, completely. I had seven days, seven long days of hiking to really think about these things. And that's the conclusion that I came to. And really specifically, what if I was hiking with a group of women and they all decided that we were going to do something like we were going to leave at a particular time every day and I couldn't follow my own rhythms. And what if they didn't hear me when I spoke? What if I said, that's not what I want to do, or I don't feel comfortable right now. And what if they didn't listen? What if, what if they didn't, right? what would you have done? What would you have done? I would have felt hurt. Let's, let's play it out. Okay. Would you have continued with the group? I would have, and I would have felt sad in a group. I would have felt sad and alone in the group because I didn't feel heard or seen. That's the hardest thing when you have friendships, when you travel through life in a group is that it's not that you might get hurt. You will have your feelings hurt. You will be sometimes not seen and this is it. But the funny thing is I thought I actually never have that fear with you. No. I never have that fear with you because you are a person who I know and I love and I trust. And these are some fantasy people that may reject me. I'm scared of the fantasy people, but not of the real people in my life. Isn't that bizarre? No, that makes sense. You're completely future tripping and protecting yourself from some invisible imaginary scene that you're concocted in your head that we're going to squash that and pop <laughs> out like a balloon and deflate that from you. So let's go with it. You would be okay with me. So if I said to you, I'm going to go with you on this trip, I mean, you'll probably be like, shit, she's going to slow me down and she's going to like be afraid of every bug. God nope. forbid a bear comes. Like I'm going to have to jump in front of her. Like it's just too much stress for you to like protect me on this trip, right? Nope. 
I'm going to, I'm going to no. shower you in DEET every day so that the bugs are going to stay. I have different expectations so, because I know and love you, but yes. Yeah. But here's the thing. I know and love you too. And we've talked every day and then we've gone spaces where we haven't talked, which is very similar to my friends from growing up where we can pick up right where we left off. Like, I know I don't have to talk to you every day and be like, Oh my God, are we not friends? Like, I know we're still like very, very close friends because we're just busy and that's just how life is. And I think that, I mean, we've cultivated this friendship later in life and it's been so easy because I think we both wouldn't put the energy out if it wasn't worth it. Does that make sense? And so I feel like in this stage of life, we're not in high school. We're not in middle school. We're not like trying to sit at the big, you know, the popular girls table or like, you know, be voted homecoming queen or whatnot. Like, I feel like at this stage we get to choose. And sometimes the people that we cherry pick for our friendships are not all going to mesh with other people. Like I've always had friends in different groups and putting them together. It's all been from different walks of life. And I've liked that. And I feel like even though I've grown up very lucky with an abundance of friends and from all different areas, and you've had a different experience. I feel like that if you put your friends in a room together, and if I put my friends in a room together, they'd all come from different walks of life too. Even though we'd have like our mom friends, our work friends, our this friends, like I do feel like we have cultivated it because maybe we've learned and maybe you're not, if, if you don't agree with this, just jump in and contradict me, but we've learned to like, this is, this works for me. Like sometimes like I'll be friends with somebody who like, I never thought in a million years I'd be friends with, but it works. And maybe it works because I'm fulfilling a need of theirs or they're fulfilling a need of mine in the moment. And then it comes in and out of life. And when I was in high school, I used to have this concept where I'd always say people recycle all because I always felt like people come in and out of our lives. But when people leave, I've noticed sometimes they come back, but they come back like almost like they've rotated around the earth and they've come back either when they've gone through something or I've gone through something. So I've always had that. So if somebody has left my life, I've always felt like if I had a feeling inside of me, like it wasn't permanent, like people recycle, they come back. And I've seen that. I don't know why. I, I don't know if we meet people and then they trigger us or we trigger them to, to do something in their life and they come back. But if we stay with the same stagnant people day in and day out, and I'm not dissing, like I love my my friends. I'm not dissing that at all. I'm just saying if we only stay with the same people and don't allow new people into our lives, like how are we ever going to grow and how are they ever going to grow? Like you can keep your friends and you could bring new people in your life. And just like those concentric circles, your friends may not always have the same place at the table, but they'll always have a seat at the table. It just might not be right next to you that day. It could be that they come back another day and next to you. And that doesn't lessen the value of your friendship with them. It just means that the presence in your life in the moment may not be the same as you needed a year ago. And maybe in five years from now, you'll be like right at the head of the table together, but without devaluing that friendship. That's how I see it. Does that make sense? It totally does. And right there in that description, to me, how you've described your thought process is the epitome of why and how we became friends. You spend the time and you do the thinking and the work to be accepting of different ways of existing, being open to growth, being open to change. I find you to be very non-judgmental. Now we all get judgy, like, yes, we all get judgy, but if you have a judgy moment, I know because you've said to me, you're like, I'm being judgy right now. 
And that is that insight into who you are, even though we are such different people, our background, our upbringing, our life experiences, like we are definitely on different ends of the spectrum, but I feel like our values and our purpose and where we're going, even though they are different, there's, there's this similarity there in what we hold as it's more a value-based friendship, which I don't know existed as much when I was younger, which is funny because a lot of my friends were environmentalists and activists like I was. And so we had those type of values, but those were values. Those were values about things outside of us. And as I get older, I'm more interested in the values about ourselves and how we function in in the world, how, how we are, who we are, and that interest in finding more. I knew that when I said, can you come on? Can you just hop on? I want to do a podcast because I've been thinking so much about friendships. And I knew that whatever you brought was going to be insightful and make me think as well, because I'm always in this process of thinking. If we recorded this in, in a month from now, I would have completely different things I would want to bring up. And you would bring all sorts of different insights to it. I appreciate that about you. Oh my God, thank you. Something came to mind when you were talking. And, and I think that one of the most important feelings that women or actually all people want to feel in relationships is a safe space. Yeah. And talking about the judgmental. And yeah, we all get judgmental. And being judgmental is not necessarily a bad thing. If you are aware of being judgmental, it actually is a guiding light to what you need to work on or to something you want. If you're just being judgmental, that's just being judgmental. But if you can acknowledge, hey, I'm being judgmental, why is this happening? It's actually a a red flag to something that you're wanting in your life or something that you need. But as far as being with, with people and feeling safe, that's such an important factor. Like I was thinking about this the other day. Like we need connection with other people. Like we need connect, like I said earlier, we need connection with ourselves, but we need connection with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, that saying no man is an island. And one of my favorite movies is about a boy with Hugh Grant. And it's all about no man is an island. And he has to learn to like, uh, you know, connect with other people. And it's just, it could be a scary process, especially if you've been hurt and who you open up to. I always was a very trusting person. I've always opened my heart to different people. Thankfully, I really haven't been burned a lot, but I have been burned in the past. And I also, it's also hard to see like, if you're part of a group, and sometimes like they do things and don't include you, it's the not being included can be very hurtful. Now, I've been very blessed to be included in a lot of things. I've also had the gift of not being included in things and having to be okay with it, because it stings, it really does. Like, why am I not included? But if we realize that, And it's such a hard thing to do that everything really is not about us, right? What other people do is really, it's like, this is my movie. This is my dream. Like I'm, like you said, like I'm in the center of the the circles. Like I am the bullseye point and everything else around me is my dream. You're in the bullseye of your life and everything around you is your dream. And sometimes your concentrics overlap with my concentrics. And that's how we became friends. But this is my life, my movie, my dream. This is your life. You're moving your dream. Like, why do we expect people to always fit into our storyline, our narrative, when they have their own storyline that may not match up? It's only when our circles match up. And sometimes they overlap and sometimes they don't. And it's that feeling of not being included and being linked with their circle 
that were like literally their circle, their friendship circle, like why aren't I included? And it makes us feel bad, but maybe we were never meant to be part of it. Maybe we need to grow. Maybe we need to find our own new circle. That's when we're looking for our own, as Abby Wombeck says, our own wolf pack. But sometimes it's hard. And sometimes we look too hard because we fantasize what friendships are supposed to be. And friendships aren't supposed to be hard. They're not like you and I just naturally fell into this friendship. And it's it was easy. It was easy because like you said, we aligned, our values aligned. Um, it felt safe. We didn't even meet in person until like a year and a half after we actually met online. Like it was just like, it just clicked. It was just easy. And so I lost my point of thought, but I mean, I think, you, I think it's just the fact that these circles are like ebbs and flows. And when we don't get included or we get left behind, like you were saying, like if you were on your wilderness track with a group of women that weren't listening to you and you didn't feel seen and heard, you will feel very hurt. I mean, I think that's what like the real housewives are all about, the drama and like being left behind and not being seen and heard and all that like kind of backstabbing stuff. But like, I, I think that's a fear that a lot of women do have of if we're not included in this group, are we, do we matter? Are we not as important? Do we put these people up on a pedestal? And if they don't bring us up with them and they kind of shove us stuff down on us because they're not listening to us, how is that going to make us feel? And I think that's a big fear in, in friendships with women. Yeah. It is completely natural for us to be afraid of rejection. Yeah. hundred percent. It is biologically hardwired into us. We you know, there's one cave, there's one tribe, and safety is being in the cave with that tribe. That's safety. And our culture has evolved, but our brains are still hardwired the way that they were when we needed group and community to survive, which is why integrated in all of that is the need for human connection and belonging. It is a biological need. And yet we've put so much shame on it. Oh, there's something wrong with me. Remembering again that our brain's purpose is to keep us alive. So it wants that connection. It wants to be included. It needs to be because it thinks that if we're not included, that we are actually in danger. Our brain's purpose is not to keep us emotionally stable, healthy, whole, and happy. It is just there. It's an operating system to keep us alive. That's how we're set up. And this idea of the fantasizing about friendships, I so relate to that. And one of the things I, I was thinking about last night, there was a movie I loved called Heathers. It was like late 80s, loved that movie. If anybody's listening, hasn't watched it, just go and watch it. But then I was like, I wonder who wrote that? And so I did a little look and I was like, oh, isn't this interesting that movies that I enjoyed that had an element of female friendships. And there weren't a whole lot of them. If you think of the, the Bechdel test, which is more than half of movies don't actually meet this test. And the test is there are two women in a movie. So that's the first stage. The second stage is they speak to each other. That's the second. The final is that they speak to each other about something other than a man. And half of movies produced in the US don't meet that yeah. test. Like that's wild. So we beaches was beaches one of those. Oh, like beaches would have been. I mean, and yeah. you look at the new Wonder Woman. So there are movies that have female leads, but we remember them because they're so few. And the interesting thing is that when we're looking in our culture for representation 
of female friendships, they either literally don't exist or the friendships and relationships are written and directed by men. Two women have won the Oscar for Best Director, and it's not because women can't direct films. Two in the history. How many years have the Oscars been on? 70 some odd years. What population of the planet is female? It's slightly over 50%. This is just statistically not possible. So when we talk about fantasizing friendships, we also have a fantasy of fantasy of fears. And just as I was thinking about, you know, like my fear of not being heard and things like this is the dysfunction that has been glamorized in movies when there are multiple women, not all, but the hardships of them. These stories are often written with limited nuance from a male perspective. And how does that just mess with a young woman's view of what female friendships are? And I love those movies. Like I still love Heathers. And you know, you think the the John Hughes, like for our era, it was the 16 Candles, the Breakfast Club. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Pretty in Pink. Yeah, like all of those and how women are represented and how are friendships. And so if you said, you know, the caddy friend or something like that, it's like we are fulfilling some sort of prophecy created by this mechanism that, that never came from women. These stories weren't coming from real stories of real women and real women's friendships. They were to move a plot based on some stereotypes that were actually written and developed by men. But if you don't have a different experience, that seems like it's real. Does that make sense? You are making sense. I was thinking of some movies that came to mind, like Steel Magnolias and Thelma and Louise and um, some other ones. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of movies that portray it interestingly. And then also, for example, there's a lot of reality shows that feed on the drama, like the Real Housewives. I've um, never seen you know, an episode. So you, you see friendships that way. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of backstabbing, right? So I feel that I've, I've never been one to have, thankfully, I've never had drama in my friendships, really. Or if they did, they were very minimal because I don't have just never had the stomach for that. Like if, if you're my friend, you're my friend. Like, and I don't, I'm not going to be friends with somebody who's going to be backstabbing. Like that's just not going to work. Um, it's not to say I never had any issues, but I really, I don't have drama with my friends, thankfully. And I think that's, that's a conscious choice. Cause you can't, you can't. I think it's a sign of health. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had drama in my life, <laughs> too much drama in my life. As you know, we're not going to get into that. So and at least I didn't want to have that in my friendship circle. <laughs> so yeah, because you, you're not going to get rid of the drama. And I, I feel like you, you touched upon something earlier with the fear of rejection. That's That was a huge fear of mine. Something I'm, I still work on all the time, not just rejection with people, but, you know, rejection with, you know, ideas and different things in life. Like we all have a fear of rejection, but it's to me, rejection is the polarity, the opposite of acceptance, right? Because we can reject ourselves or we can accept ourselves. People can reject us or accept us. And we all want to feel accepted. And so when we don't want to dip our toes into like the unknown and enter a new friendship, maybe we're afraid of the rejection. We want to be accepted. And so maybe we don't go there. And I think that that is maybe, maybe what you were touching upon. And then watching these movies saying, this is just like conflated image of how friendship should be in them. Like that's not the real world. But, you know, it's just, it's a movie. 
and our life could be our own movie and, and what we want from it. We don't have to project into our lives our fears, right? And so I think that the healthiest friendships are always the friendships that are very accepting. Now, it doesn't mean that it's accepting without hard love, you know, like you expect your friends to tell you as it is, but still have your back. Like, you know, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, and I'm, I'm misquote quotes all the time, but like, it's the fix your best friend's crown in private, but never tell the world that it was broken, like kind of thing. Like there's people that will want to bring you down and say, oh, look, her crown is broken. That's just a metaphor. But your best friend will will tell you it is to your face or fix you up and to the world, like not tell it. That's somebody who has your back. Those are the friendships that we all want to cultivate and we all want to have in our life because it makes us feel accepted. It's the places where we can be ourselves, let our hair down, tell the truth and walk away feeling have you ever had, I've had this before. Have you ever had those conversations with people and you left and you like with you, I feel always more filled up and, and I walk away feeling so much lighter and freer and happier. But I've been with people where I walked away feeling drained and depleted. Like I almost gave too much information away. Like they sucked that information from me and I walked away feeling worse. Right. I've had that. And, and interestingly, it's when I'm talking about something and they don't hear it. They can't open up to hear a different perspective, whether it's fear or, or what, like, it's not, it's actually not my business. Why? But the impact is that then I feel drained and exhausted. And I just wanted to say um, something that you said earlier and now it slipped my mind, but it immediately made me write down how belonging is so different from fitting in. They are like the polar opposites. The fitting in is when you abandon yourself so that you can gain acceptance and belonging is when people can see you and hear you and disagree with you, right? And still maintain the love and respect and the friendship. I agree a thousand percent. You put that so eloquently. And one more thing I just want to add quickly. Um, and then I probably have to jump off. Um, but one more thing I want to add quickly is um, I wrote it down. I can't read it because I don't have my reading glasses on, but it's not <laughs> the joys of, of being alive. Um, I always, I, I went through some things in my life where I wanted people to desperately understand my point of view. And when they couldn't, it was very frustrating. And it was like beating up against a wall and they just couldn't get it. And it really took me many years to realize and because I thought that by not getting it, they weren't having my back and they were betraying me. But the truth is they just couldn't get it from their perspective. And I had to learn to be okay with it. Like I didn't understand. I thought if they really loved me, if they really cared for me, why aren't they agreeing with me? Why aren't they understanding my perspective? And it was very hard for me to understand because I felt like it was a rejection of it, but it really wasn't. And it's not my job to make them understand or accept things that I'm doing it. That was a hard pill for me to swallow. Yeah. Because I equated that with them not being a true friend and that's not true. So I had to understand I can do something without the need for everyone's understanding, approval, validation, acceptance, um, accolades, even like, Hey, good job. Like they didn't understand what I was doing. I had to be okay and know that it wasn't a reflection of our relationship. Mm. And I don't know, maybe you disagree with this because maybe friends should constantly do that. But I realized like, it's okay because they're getting it from their perspective and their perspective is a very different lens from where I'm coming from. And maybe 
I've evolved in some way, and maybe they've evolved in some way where we're sort of not evolving in the same progression. But that doesn't mean that they're not my friend in the sense that they have my back and they love me. They just don't understand. And it was in that acceptance of, I don't need their understanding. I don't need their acceptance in order to still know that I'm still loved and valued by them. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I'm just going to say, we're going to have to have a whole nother conversation (laughs) about how it's okay to disagree. Yes. Because I know I have the exact opposite, which is if somebody brings an idea, I'm happy to like dig deep and look at the other side and examine it from all the different angles. And sometimes I think people feel like, but you don't hear, this is it. And I'm like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but what about this? You know, like I want to like really go in and maybe explore if there's a different way. And for some people, it will make them maybe feel uncomfortable because they might view it as being argumentative or conflict driven. So I'm working through, I need to, I have the way I walk through the world and I need to be conscious of the impact that that has on other people because right out of the gate, you don't have the trust, the love, the knowing. You need to build that over time. And to do that, it's about helping others also feel seen and cared for and valued. I have loved, love, love having you on. I can hardly wait for us to have our next discussion because I know this is just going to keep growing. And I so appreciate you taking some time. We're recording this on a Saturday morning where you are running to all of the different things and you're like, I have a hard stop, which we've already passed. And it's another one of those things where I value you so much. And I knew that this would be such an engaging and interesting conversation. I hope that everybody listening got as much from it, or at least got some takeaway thoughts from it, because I'm already thinking about the next conversation we're going to have. Oh my God. I am so excited. I was thinking how fun it would be to role play what you were just saying too, but I'm so, you just, you left it on such a juicy note. Like there's so many things I want to say and then we're like, but we got to go. And I so enjoyed this conversation. I actually forgot most of this conversation. I forgot I forgot we were even recording it because I was just like having such a great conversation with you on this. So I'm so excited to continue this. And I'm so thankful that I was able to come on this morning. And um, I love you. That's all I want to say. I love you too. And now for the recap. Oh my gosh, this was such a juicy episode. I adore Lisa, as you can tell, and there's nobody I would rather talk about friendship with than her. I have so many great takeaways that I'm going to have to think about as well after this. So first, friends have your back, but that doesn't mean that they always understand you, what you're going through, or even agree with you. But a friend will be with you in spite of not always understanding because you are important to them. Second, it's okay to have different friendship groups because we are multi-passionate, complex individuals and a single partner or friend or even a single group of friends, they can't fill all our social and emotional needs and interests. That's why different friend groups are necessary. Three, If you think of concentric circles, which if you listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure you do because I am obsessed with this visual. But when you think of that concentric circle, you are at the center. The next ring 
is limited in size because we only have a certain amount of capacity. And so those that are closest to us, they're not a large number. Who is in that inner circle also can change. Sometimes people come in closer and sometimes they drift out and that's natural. The people in your inner circle, they also don't have to be your relatives. They don't even have to be your best friend. They could be a mentor, a coach, or a new friend. Fourth, Lisa mentioned a quote from The Great Gatsby. And one of the major themes of the novel is loneliness. And I was so glad that she mentioned the book because being surrounded by large groups of people doesn't equate to happiness or joy. Without connection, it can feel acutely lonely. With friendships, what we're looking for isn't quantity. It's all about the quality of the connection. Five, another thing we talked about is how at midlife, friendships are different. Our lives are so busy that we're really only going to put the time and energy into relationships worth nurturing. The sixth point, Lisa used this term recycle, that people keep coming back. And I was thinking about what a great idea that is. We don't really lose people, just sometimes people move to the, if we go back to the concentric circles, sometimes they move away from the center. Maybe their lives are busy. Maybe you're at different stages in your life. Maybe there's a different season. They'll move away for a while, but that doesn't mean that they'll always stay in that outer ring. Sometimes those people will come back into your life and that can be a wonderful thing. Seven. Oh, I really liked how Lisa said that sometimes being judgmental isn't a bad thing. When you feel that judgment coming up, it is a chance to look within and see what's being triggered. What do you need to work on or what are you being drawn to? So judgment can serve a positive purpose as well. Point number eight, sometimes feelings get hurt in friendships. And it's important to remember, it's not always about us. Often it's because the other person had a need of their own. Yes, hurt feelings suck, but they are inevitable because other people can't always fit nicely into our storyline because they have their own. Number nine, sometimes a friend has to tell you the hard truth. But a good friend will help you with that hard truth and they aren't going to share it with the world. And finally, number 10, fitting in is the opposite of belonging. Friendships don't require us to abandon ourselves. Thank you for joining another episode of The Happiest Ever After. I really hope you had as many great takeaways as I did. I know I'm going to be thinking about this episode for a really long time because this is something that I've struggled with, just friendships. And I don't know, I thought at this point of my life, I'd have it figured out, but apparently I don't. I expect I'm going to have more than one episode on this particular topic. And I think that I'll continue to grow and evolve and change. So I hope you'll enjoy them as much as I do. And if you have thoughts, send me a message. I love getting messages or questions or topics that you want to hear talked about. So as always, I'll have my contact information in the show notes, and I'd love to hear from you, whether it's an email, an instant message, however it is that you need to contact me. But what I would really, really love is if you would take a couple of minutes and go to your phone and take the option. They're all a little bit different, but click on that button and give it a share. 
rate it for me. I just, it helps the algorithm so much, which in turn helps me. And if you have something lovely to say, please feel free to share it in a comment or review on the podcast. So thanks for joining me again. And I hope that you have the most beautiful week.